right, let's look at our scripture that can be found on page four. We've started a new series uh, called Abide in Me. And this is all about Jesus' very famous teaching of the parable, not the parable, excuse me, the vine and the branches. Uh, Jesus is on his way to be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper. And it would appear that he stops in a vineyard where the disciples are gazing at a vineyard. And uh, he teaches this uh, tremendous truth. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. John 15, 3 through 5 on page 4. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, says Jesus. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word of the Lord. You know, if you've ever been to a Christian bookstore, they're becoming fewer and uh, far between to find. In fact, any bookstore for that matter. I think that Barnes & Noble has survived the carnage, but everyone else, uh, as Amazon, the great behemoth, with their one-click services, uh, continues on. But there are books and books. And in fact, if you walk into Barnes & Noble, there's a whole section on Christianity. Think of how many books have been written about Christianity, and rightly so. But if we were to boil it all down, if we were to get to the core essence of what Christianity is, if we were to be able to sum it up in one sentence, it would simply be this, being united to Jesus Christ. This is the core essence of what Christianity is, of what we are to do. And so this passage really, if you will, is the core essence of Christianity. That I am the vine, and you are the branches. And as you abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The word actually, abiding in Jesus, or believing in Jesus, as I talked about last week, is literally, believe into me. Now, there were a lot of things that we believe in, but this language that Jesus used about himself is the only language Jesus way in ancient manuscripts. If you read the uh, texts about Caesar many, Caesar, many people believed in Caesar, but no one was admonished to believe into Caesar. No one was admonished to believe into anyone. But Jesus there uses these words, believe into me. Some way they've survived and sort of promulgated throughout the centuries. Don't we even use the term when we're really into someone? Oh, you're really into them. In other words, my connection, my depth, my desire, my hunger for them is so great. I'm into them. It's more than I simply believe in them. But this passage is speaking even deeper than a mere you know, simple aphorism. It's talking about something organic, something deep, something life-giving. So we need to examine and answer the question, what does it mean to abide in Christ? As I look at this passage, I see three particular things we have to understand. Number one, what is our current condition? If I am a Christian, am I in Christ now? Number two, what is the command that God gives me? There is a precondition for abiding in Christ, a necessary precondition if I don't understand it. 
I won't know what it means to bear fruit. Indeed, I will not see fruit in my life. And with this command, my final point, there is a promise. The bearing of fruit, much fruit. And so it seems to me there are two paths for the Christian, one in which we bear much fruit, the other in which we can do nothing. Well, let's begin with my first point, our condition. Jesus opens with these lines in 15.3, already you are clean. He's speaking to the disciples. Already, disciples, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so this is the first point. I cannot remain in him unless I am first in him. The ESV uses the word abide. The NIV uses the word remain. They both come from the Greek word meno. They're the same thing, if you will. But I cannot remain in something that I have not arrived to come into first. And so Jesus is saying is already you who believe in me, you are clean. You are in me because of the word that I have spoken to you. Notice, this is how we became clean. This is how we are clean, because of the word. You are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I like Ephesians 1.11 and how it puts it a little bit clearer. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the truth, the gospel of our salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Notice that, that you, Christian, if you are a Christian, if you are a disciple of Christ, have been included in Christ because you heard the word of truth and you were included in him. So what does it mean to be included in him? What does it mean to be clean, if you will, because of the word that I have spoken to you? In the Old Testament, clean means acceptable to God. We can remember even in the New Testament, those lepers walking around who had to scream at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean. In other words, don't come near me. I'm dangerous to your health. If you come near me, you might be sick. You might be polluted. They were cast off, not allowed to become in the temple. Not allowed to come into the temple. But remember the leper who came to Jesus and knelt and said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. See, somewhere along the line, that leper heard the word of truth that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that I am the way to the Father. It wasn't the question of the leper whether you're able. It's the question of are you willing? And what did Jesus do? He touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. Clean means acceptable to God, but even more, it means approved by God. It means not only not guilty, it means righteous, holy, able to come into the Lord's presence, able to fellowship with him. It was just a couple of chapters before when Jesus came to wash the disciples' feet, remember? And Simon Peter said, that, well, if you're going to wash me, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew what, who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. 
See, those who believe into Christ. It's a difference between believing about someone and believing in someone, right? Many people believe a lot of things about Jesus, but to believe in him, that's what Jesus is talking about. And so what Jesus is saying to you and me, Christian, is already you are clean. In John 15, 16, Jesus puts it clear. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what Jesus is saying is, you are clean already because of the word I've spoken to you. And because of that, I have engrafted you into myself. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. So the life of a Christian is going to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Because we cannot be engrafted in Christ and not bear fruit, can we? So Jesus is speaking here about the quality of the fruit we are, or the quantity of the fruit. As I said before, Christianity in many ways is simple, but it doesn't make it easy. But I think one of the reasons why we lose our connection with Christ is we are so afraid of what he thinks of us based on our behavior. In other words, am I clean or unclean? Well, that depends on how I'm acting right now. Have a bad day? Somebody cuts me off? Rage wells up inside of me? I <clears throat> shake my fist at them? I call down thunder from God? Surely now I'm not clean. Or that double take at that billboard as you drive by? That thought you know you're not supposed to have and yet you have? and can't get it out of my mind. And that whisper from Satan who says, see, you're not godly. Surely he doesn't accept you. We fear greatly losing our connection to Christ. But the reality is we are a new organism in Christ. Our fundamental life has changed. And when did it change? When we believed and were included in him. Already, says Jesus, you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Already you are clean. Do you hear it? He's speaking to you. He is lifting up your head to tell you, oh child, even in the midst of your fallenness and the sins that you have committed, the sins you are committing, and the sins that you will commit, my blood, my overcoming life is greater than your faults. You are already clean because the word spoken to you. And so we must approach life in the vine from the understanding of already knowing that we're clean. Because otherwise we will find in ourselves a need to go out and earn our salvation again and again and again before we can approach Christ. But a travesty to try to recreate that which has already been done. I don't know if you're familiar with the philosopher's stone. Some of you have heard that term, but you're not exactly sure what it is. The philosopher's stone was a legendary alchemical substance capable of turning base metals into gold. And so the ancient alchemists and metallurgists and scientists wanted to try to find 
the perfect formula, if you would, that would create this material. That whatever it touched would take lead and turn it into gold. And if you were to eat a portion of it, it was to purify you, to give you uh, life forever, if you will. And the work to do this, the effort to discover the Philosopher's Stone was known as the magnum opus, the great work. It was the 6th century Swiss alchemist Paracelsus who believed in the existence of a material which he thought to be an undiscovered element from which all the other elements, earth, fire, water, and air, were simply derivative forms. Paracelsus believed that this element was in fact the Philosopher's Stone. Why do I bring up the Philosopher's Stone? We know that Jesus is Lord. But sometimes we don't act any different from those mad scientists, do we? Trying to put together the perfect formula, something that we can touch or devour that will make us clean, make us acceptable, justify our existence before God. The reality is Paracelsus was right. There is an undiscovered element from which all the other elements are derived. But it isn't undiscovered, is it? It's a person. Jesus Christ is the Philosopher's Stone. He is that which takes that which is dead and brings it to life. And Jesus has touched our hearts. And he has said, you are clean. My life and death and life again is enough for you. Dwell in my life. So the beginning of all of this passage is simply this. That I am the one that makes you clean. <clears throat> so don't cling to anything else. Don't go on this endless search for that which will work, which will finally bring cleansing to your soul. Rather, firmly accept him who is implanted within you. This is our current condition. Do you live your Christian life in a state of guilt? Do you? Do you live your Christian life in a state of never measuring up, never being acceptable? The Christian life is a life of resting. The Christian life is a life of thankfulness. The Christian life is a life of boldness in Christ. Because already you are clean. Because the word he's spoken to you. But Jesus wants us to continue on, doesn't he? And so he gives us a command. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, there is an essential condition of spiritual fruitness in your life, and that is to abide. The word abide, as I said in the Greek, if you were to translate it, literally means to stay in a given place, state or relation to continue in an activity or state. 
See, we have a part to play in our fruitfulness. But it's not to connect. Rather, it's to remain. And as we remain, we will bear fruit. What is this fruit? It's a fruit of the character of our life, of who we are. As the Spirit says, the fruit of the Spirit working in one's life is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's goodness. It's kindness. It's gentleness. And it's self-control. This teaching shows us that we are not automatons. If you will, Jesus is putting us back in our rightful place. Remember how the human race screwed this thing up in the first place? Was by saying to God, the commands that you've given us we do not need. Nor do we need you, frankly. We will live independent of you. We will feed ourselves. We will produce our own crop. We will, in essence, cut ourselves off from the vine. But Jesus has grafted us back in and is reteaching us to live the life that we were designed to live from the beginning. Now notice this, and this is very important. The command that Jesus gives us is not to produce, is it? He doesn't say produce in me. He says abide in me or remain in me. A little bit different than John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist as people were coming out to be baptized by him in Luke 3 and he yelled to some of them, you brood of vipers, the Pharisees, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. But John the Baptist told of one who was coming whose shoelaces he would not be worthy to untie, but worthy to tie, but he would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so now Jesus takes up the responsibility for the production of fruit. And he puts on us the responsibility of abiding in him. Notice the cause and effect have been changed to effect and cause. Our responsibility, my friends, is not to produce. It's to remain. In John 6, they said to Jesus, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. It's the exact opposite of the philosophy of the world, by the way, or the philosophy of any other religion. You produce, and after you produce, then you're pronounced clean. In Christianity, we're pronounced clean. We simply need to remain, and the Lord promises the production of fruit. Simple, but not easy. What does it mean to abide? To abide in Christ, to remain in Christ. When we get down to it, what does it really mean? But we have to ask the first question, how do we connect initially to get in a state of abiding? In John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed in Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's exactly what Jesus just said in verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
In other words, we believed in his word. We trust in, in his word, in his promises, and we have decided to obey his commands. We put him on the throne of our life. We called him Lord. And because of that, we were made clean. In John 15, 7, which I'm going to preach on in a week or two, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Notice how he has replaced himself with his words. See, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear more, much fruit. And then he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Jesus has replaced himself with his words because the Lord is in his word. Jesus said in John 6, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus and his word are inseparable because his words are spirit and life. Christ is at the right hand interceding with the Father, but he's with me through his Holy Spirit and his word is in my heart. But I have to make a decision to remain in his word, which means to submit to it to submit to the commands of Christ. And his word speaks really in two areas, how we are to behave and what we are to believe. We know the how we are to behave, right? Do not kill, do not commit adultery, all of the do nots and the do's. But he also has many commands in his word of what we are to believe. As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is among you. Repent and believe the good news. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. But in your hearts, in 1 Peter 3, 15, set apart Christ as Lord. See, there are three areas where Christ wants us to remain or abide or submit to his word. In our mind, in our will, and in our heart. And I want to suggest to you that it all starts not in our mind, but in our heart. See, what Jesus is really saying is to abide in me, is to take the longings of your heart and to put them on me. Because we are not what we think. We are what we worship. We are what we love. It really boils down to abiding in him, trusting and believing in his word that he is enough, that he is what I'm looking for. And so often in my life, when I want to abide in Christ, I sort of start going through the list of things. All right, well, am I, am I living a good life? Am I keeping my nose clean? Am I not doing this? Am I doing these all sort of things? Gosh, why aren't I experiencing this abiding? And the truth of the matter is, Really, to me, Jesus is a means to an end. I want Jesus because I want life. I want Jesus because I want joy. I want Jesus because I want good relationships. But what Jesus is saying is, submit your heart to my word. Trust me that I am enough. Believe in me. And as you believe in him with your heart, 
your mind and your will follow. Remember hearing the story about a guy, a very wealthy guy, he had a fleet of tugboats. He came to the Lord and uh, he wanted to follow Christ. And so after praying a long time, he, he went to the pastor and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give the Lord one of my tugboats. I'm going to sell one of my fleet as an offering to the Lord. Tugboat's a pretty expensive boat. You know, we're talking $10 million. Pretty nice gift to the Lord. Pastor said, keep your tugboat. What the Lord wants is your heart. Because when he gets your heart, he gets all your tugboats. Right? That's what it means to remain in me. Remain in me. In my words, believe them, that I really am who I say I am, that I really am enough. That's the thing about Christianity, isn't it? I don't know it's true until I actually do it. Jesus said to the leper, go and show your hand, stretch out your hand, and as he did, it was healed. Or to the lepers, go and show yourself to the priests, and as they went, they were healed. He said to Peter, step out on the boat. Step out of the boat and walk toward me. And as he stepped out, he found that the water was firm ground. To remain in God, to submit to his word, is to believe and to love and to walk and to experience at that point the reality that Christ is life as his life flows through my life. I enjoy uh, adventure-type sports, and one of them is kite surfing. Great sport. It's kind of fun. You throw this kite in the air that's bigger than a parachute. You attach it to yourself and hope you don't get thrown into a condo. <laughs> one of the things about kite surfing you learn pretty quickly, though, is if you want to go anywhere, you have to cooperate with what the wind is doing. Because the wind is king. If the wind is blowing that way, and you want to go that way, you're going to have to cooperate with the wind and tack, if you will, to slowly work up wind. It is the wind that is in charge, not me. When I adjust my life to Jesus Christ, when I choose to obey his words, not only with my mind, not only with my will, but most importantly with my heart. I experience the wind of the Spirit blowing in my life as He takes me where He will. Because the most important part of my Christian life is not to produce, it's to abide. So where are you in your Christian walk? Well, I'm obedient to Christ so I can get X whatever that is. In other words, Jesus is not a means to the end. Excuse me, Jesus is not the end. He's a means to the end. Perhaps I'm very good on the surface with all the do's and the do nots, and you look at my life on the outside, and you say, wow, that's a very, very obedient Christ. He must be spirit-filled. But the reality is my heart is tied into so many other things. Let's start with our heart. 
believing God's words in the scriptures, believing the promises. Because when he gets my heart, he gets all my tugboats. Abide moment by moment. Here's the wonderful thing about God. Christ is in me and his words are in me as well. He is instructing me and teaching me. You may feel like, I don't, I don't know enough of God's will. I don't know enough of God's words. Well, if you're a Christian, you knew enough to fall in love with him, right? You have enough words of God's word to believe and obey. Maybe one of the things he's telling you is, you need to spend more time learning my word. That's exactly why we're here and doing the things we do and why we do adult education and why we do the women's Bible study, why we do the men's Bible study, the men's retreat, and all those things. Be a part of them. It starts with your heart. But the wonder of it all is you can start abiding in an instant. You don't need a master's of divinity to abide in Christ. You need, really, the only qualification is a hungry heart. A desire to obey Christ and believe his words. The Christian life is a life of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Constantly seeking to not stray my heart from the Lord. Of all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Well, this brings me to my final point. That was the command, and there is the result. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. I'll say it again, it's very clear. Whoever remains, whoever abides in me, whoever submits to my word, whoever believes with his heart, his mind, and his will, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. You seek to live this life in Christ, the life that he appointed you to live. You will start to see fruit in the character of who you are and what you believe and how you speak and most importantly in how you love. And this fruit will overwhelm into the life you live. How do other people come to faith? Well, it's because of the fruit of Christians, isn't it? The witness of believers. There's no greater satisfying witness than a joyful heart. Someone who walks around in their days satisfied in Jesus Christ. And that fruit will flow in one shape or form or another. You may just be a part of somebody coming to faith. You may be able to be there at the end of that chain when they say, yes, I too want what you have. But we were appointed to bear much fruit. But we have a responsibility, my brothers and sisters, to remain and abide in Christ. That is our magnum opus. That is our great work. At the end of the day, when I look back upon my life and it's fleeting, it will not be a question of what I accomplished in the workplace or what I did in this field of industry or in this as much as this question, did I walk with Jesus? 
Did I believe in love and obey? And you'll see the fruit of life. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We are sure to experience frustration in life. This life is a difficult one. But there's no place more safe than being in the center of God's will. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us move away from seeking to be producing Christians as much as seeking to be abiding Christians. Abiding in Christ. And the fruitfulness of our lives will flow and flow and overflow. Are you remaining in Him? Give your heart to Him. Because the essence of Christianity is being united to Christ. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he will bear much fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Live in me, and I am you. By God's grace, we will do so. Let's pray. God, we thank you that Christianity is not a series of formulas or doctrine. Christianity is a person. Your Son, Jesus Christ, who is life itself, who has engrafted us into himself by the Holy Spirit. We claim our inheritance that we are clean, that we need not look in shame before the throne. Help us to live and abide in you, Christ. Let that be our magnum opus in our life. Let our focus turn on clinging to you, in obedience to your words. And let us watch and wonder as you do a work in our lives that we could never do on our own. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.